0: This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now your host. During hot Texas summers, he is always grateful for air conditioning. He's my dad, Brandon Merton. Hello Chamber Champions! Welcome to the Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, where it's my goal to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your Chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Let's hear from Matt Morrow, President and CEO of the Springfield Area Chamber in Missouri, to learn how the Holman Brothers provided value to his Chamber.
1: Holman Brothers provide a great training for our sales
0: team in terms of just outstanding sales techniques, but maybe even more importantly than that, they were able to provide us with a system, a process that was repeatable, and in that, we're able to see very clearly from one month to the next how the, how the pipeline is doing, what prospects are in it, what kind of progress we're making, and what we can do to coach people to success. You can learn more about Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions by visiting holmanbros.com. You're joining us for another one of our special episodes in our 2022 ACCE Chamber of the Year Finalist Series. And our guest for this episode is Dale Petrosky. Dale is the President and CEO of the Dallas Regional Chamber. Uh, Dale has more than 35 years of leadership experience in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. In April 2014, he became President and CEO of the Dallas Regional Chamber one of the largest and most established business organizations in the state of Texas. The Dallas Regional Chamber works to strengthen the business community by attracting companies and talented workers from around the world, improving education, advocating for pro-growth public policies, and enhancing the quality of life for all in the Dallas region. Dale's career also includes service as Assistant White House Press Secretary to President Ronald Reagan, Senior Vice President for Mission Programs at, the Nas- at National Geographic and President of the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum in Cooperstown, New York. Dale is a member of numerous boards, including the Alfalfa Club of Washington, D.C., SMU's Lyle School of Engineering, Dallas Medical Resources, Educate Dallas, Clayton Kershaw's Challenge, the Dallas Mavericks Advisory Council, and the Texas Rangers Baseball Foundation. Dale and his wife, Anne, both graduated from Michigan State University and live in Dallas. They have three married children. Dale, I'm excited to have you with me today on Chamber Chat Podcast. I'd love for you to take a moment to say hello to all the chamber champions, and if you would, share something interesting about yourself so we can all get to know you a little
1: better. Well, Brandon, thank you for having me. It's a wonderful opportunity for the Dallas Regional Chamber. And, uh, and it's just going to be fun. Uh, one thing you should know about me is that I'm one of nine children. And uh, you don't run across a lot of folks these days who uh, have eight siblings, but I do. And they're all from the same parents. And uh, I'm the second oldest. I'm the oldest son and the second oldest of those nine children.
0: All right. Yeah, you're right. You don't come across that very often these days. So that is interesting. So... Why don't you, well, first of all, congratulations being selected as a Chamber of the Year finalist. It's a great accomplishment, and I know you're in great company with others in your category as well. Well, Thank Um, you. We
1: appreciate that. We're very excited
0: yeah why don't you take a moment and tell us a little bit about the dallas regional chamber just to give us some perspective as to the scope of work the size of the chamber staff budget that sort of thing just to kind of set the table for our discussion
1: all right sounds great thank you Uh, first of all there are dallas is a big market dallas fort worth is a big market 7.8 million people here it's the fourth largest market in the united states And there are 175 chambers in Dallas-Fort Worth, believe it or not. We're the largest and number two is half our size. And all those 173 are below number two. So we're twice as large as number two. We have 55 full-time staffers. Our budget is $12 million a year. And we have our own research team, which very few chambers do, but we have a very sophisticated research team uh you know staffed by professional researchers which really helps our work and why we're very different than a lot of chambers is that we don't take a dime from any public entity we don't take a dime from the city we don't take a dime from the county we don't take a dime from anybody except our member companies and that gives us independence and it allows us to do what we do so we are the regional chamber so all we care about is that companies and jobs come to this region and that that there's the best fit for them when they do come here. So when we go to California and talk to companies who are thinking about moving to the Dallas area, we're the ones they talk to and and, and they say, we'd like to go up and we'd like to have a campus. So we take them up to Plano and Frisco and introduce them to the folks up there where most of the campuses are in this area. Uh, We want to be in the research uh, area. So we take them to Richardson where a lot of the research is done. We want to be near the airport. We take them to Irving and hand them off to Irving. Whatever the need is, whatever their it wishes are, we want the best fit for them. We're like a point guard in basketball who's dishing off to the guys who can score. Yeah. And so as a result of that, we've been very successful. Since 2012, 200 headquarters have moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth region. 200 in the last 12 years and 1.3 million new jobs in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in the last 12 years. Those are crazy numbers. Those, there are no other market is even close to those numbers. And I think one of the reasons we've been so successful is that we have this model of sort of the the honest broker, us, making sure that these companies get the best fit and they go up and, and, and work with these economic development organizations in all these great areas in the Dallas-Fort Worth region who can make them feel right at home in their areas. So that's our reason for being is economic development. But for that to happen, we need to do three other things very well. One, talent. So we do a lot of work in education and workforce, making sure that every youngster has a chance for a good education so they can have a good job and a good life. We also attract talent from the outside Talking about the virtues of Dallas as a place to start your career, continue your career, move up, because we have so many companies. We have 23 Fortune 500 companies, 43 Fortune 1000 companies, lots of opportunities here. So we're always looking to attract talent here as well. So, number one is talent. Number two is public policy. And that means um, having a, a business climate that is strong and welcoming, low taxes. Low, uh, low regulations and uh, welcoming, welcoming for everybody. And then our third leg of the stool for supporting economic development is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Because we're not gonna reach our full promise as a community until everyone can participate in the prosperity that's going on here. And we have in some ways uh, some, some areas where people don't have those opportunities. They don't have the educational opportunities. They don't have the job opportunities. So we work really hard in that area as well. So that's a little bit about the scope of our work.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. And on a personal note, I appreciate the work you guys are doing here in the Dallas region, since I, uh, I'm i a part of that here in the Dallas region, and I get to benefit from a lot of that work you do. Well, thank but, you.
1: Appreciate that. I'll pass that along to, to our great staff.
0: Yes, please do. So as I do these Chamber of the Year finalist interviews, what I like to spend a good majority of the discussion on is around the two topics that you guys submitted on your chamber of the year application. And what I'm thinking we'll do is we'll just, we'll touch on what those two programs are just at a high level. And then we'll circle back and go into a little bit more detail on each of those problems, each of those (laughs) programs, not problems, as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round, affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting app.mycommunity.com/chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings; they provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar, partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a Small Business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. From frustrations trying to connect with decision makers to trouble demonstrating value to difficulties adjusting to an uncertain post-COVID world, Who does your membership rep turn to for expert membership sales advice? Holman Brothers can help right now. Their year-round Next Level Coaching Program supplies a total coaching and mentoring support system in a way that's never been available for membership pros. Visit holmanbros.com slash nextlevel to learn more and request a free trial of Next Level Coaching. Chambers of Commerce have been around for over 400 years promoting communities all over the world, but today so much is found digitally that Chamber Nation believes it's critical that there is a custodian of local digital information. They believe the Chamber is in a perfect position to be that organization. Chamber Nation provides an amazing membership management system you use to manage the Chamber and the community. They also deliver a complete membership development system that they manage for you to be sure your membership community is fully documented for search and much more. Essentially, Chamber Nation delivers an entire membership support department, which is perfect for those chambers with a limited budget that needs to do more. With Chamber Nation, not only do you have a membership management system, but also a membership development system all in one terrific package. So save money and be impressed by visiting richardscalendar.com to set up a demo with their CEO or learn more at chambernation.com. All right, Dale, we're back. Um, If you would, share with us what the the two programs are that you submitted on the, the Chamber of the Year application.
1: Yeah, happy to do that, Brandon. Uh, the first one was a vaccination program for communities of color during the middle of the pandemic. Okay. The second one is something called p which is our businesses actually being embedded in our schools to work with students, to tell them about their industries, their companies, give them internships, give them opportunities to get a leg up in the work world. So those are the two basic programs.
0: All right. Let's, uh, let's start with the, the vaccinations for people of color. And that's, a, a, that's a, a program that I haven't heard of other chambers tackling. So I'm interested to hear uh, kind of what brought that to the forefront and how you guys approach that.
1: You know, early last year, we were sort of in the middle of the, the vaccinations in a big way. And, um, you know, the pandemic had started the previous March. Uh, and people were getting um, sick, but there were no vaccines available. And finally, vaccines became available, and yet they were not reaching everybody that they should have reached. Either folks didn't want to take them, or people didn't know how to get them, or didn't know enough about what the rules were around signing up for them, registering for them, going to get them, and so forth. And we thought, what can we do most at this moment in time to help our community and help our business community? And we realized that communities of color were dying at higher rates than anybody else. They were going to the hospital at higher rates than anybody else. They were losing their jobs at higher rates than anybody else and losing their businesses at higher rates than anybody else. And so we started to look into this. And we realized that a lot of folks in those communities either didn't have any information about how to get vaccinated, or they were getting wrong information about vaccinations. And so nobody asked us to do this. Our board didn't even ask us to do this. We just believed it was the right thing to do. So we embarked on a campaign that had sort of two pronged. One was uh, public service announcements aimed at communities of color that were on, there were messages on billboards, on television, on radio, in doctor's waiting offices, and in pharmacies uh, about the vaccinations. And if you chose to get them, how it would protect you and your family and your jobs, basically. And so we, we worked with, uh, we put out an RFP, request for proposal, to a bunch of marketing agencies, and we chose one. So that was one piece of it. The second piece of it was the ground game. So we worked with another organization, marketing organization that works very closely with communities of color here in order to micro-target those areas and get get them the information they need and set up clinics on site So if people chose that they wanted to get a vaccine, they could go right there and get their vaccine, okay? We set a goal of getting 600,000 more people vaccinated between June and September last year, basically the summer. And by by September, we had 660,000 more vaccinations in the Dallas area, most of them in communities of color. And the, our, our budget for this was close to a million dollars. Again, nobody asked us to do this, but we thought it was the right thing to do. And we, because we are very careful with our money and we're very good about keeping reserves and uh, in our, in, every year putting some money into our reserves, we actually had the money to do this when it was needed most. Yeah. And so we're very proud of that program and it was a great community service to our to our um, to our folks and to our business community. I'll mention one other thing, Brandon. Uh, we enlisted the help of a lot of our member companies, our businesses, um, to get the word out to their employees and to share information with their employees about how they could get vaccinated. Because there was a lot of misinformation, or people just weren't paying attention. It was complicated. You remember yeah, all the messages that were going out. And so we tried to simplify it, get it out, and our businesses are very appreciative of the educational uh, role that we played in all of that.
0: That's great. I love hearing how, you know, partnering with other organizations that service these, you know, demographic of of people of color and being able to really, you know, you didn't mention it directly, but it's data-driven. You know, when you're looking at who are the people most affected right now with the pandemic, how can we make the largest impact? And the data was pointing to this program, and you guys listened and responded. So I think no that's fantastic.
1: That's what we try to do. We try to listen, we try to decide, and then we try to act.
0: Yeah. So let's shift gears and and tell us about the. Uh, did you say it was called P Tech? Getting the yeah. businesses in the schools. Is that primarily with high schools, or is it different levels? Just it, tell us about it's, that.
1: It's high schools, and um, and and you know several years ago the Dallas ISD, Dallas Independent School District, uh, you know, ha- was struggling. And uh, like a lot of urban uh, school districts. And we have a very innovative superintendent here, Dr. Michael Hinojosa, actually just retired. and uh, But he was always wanting to partner with, with everybody he could, okay, to, to get things going in the right direction for Dallas Independent School District. And he came to us and we came up with the idea of reaching out to our big companies mostly and getting them to work, to adopt a school and to work in that school. So for example, AT&T, you know, they adopt a school, they, go in, they send employees into that school every day. That's their job to work with those kids on technology and what it might be like to work at AT&T, maybe not in a technology role, but an accounting role, an HR role, showing young people uh, the future, showing them that what a job looks like, what, a, what working inside a company looks like. And the, then AT&T provides internships for a lot of those students, and ultimately jobs for those students, okay? Um, but we have companies like Frito-Lay, Boeing, you know, um, gosh, Texas Instruments, all the big companies of Dallas are involved in this. In fact, 90 companies uh, send people into these schools uh, every day to work with these youngsters to provide internships, job opportunities, to teach them skills. Uh, And and, um, as a result of that, more companies work in Dallas ISD schools than any other school district in America. Wow. And and really what it is, if you think about it, you know, most of us we're in high school. We don't know what we want to do. We only know what our parents did. And so, so often what happens is people go into jobs, into the, the industries that their parents are in because they don't know anything else that's out there. This gives them a chance to really uh, see some other things, test some other things and be exposed to uh, other companies, other industries. And know more about what uh, what the possibilities are in the job market and what they might be going to college to study for uh, so that when they come out, they're a little bit more um, uh, targeted.
0: I like that. So when you talk about these businesses being on the campus every day, is it the same employee going to the campus every day do they have multiple pete is that their full-time job is to be the campus representative yeah
1: Yeah, most of the time yeah it varies a little bit but yes that's their job to be in that school
0: and then they get worked into the curriculum for the different classes to kind of showcase
1: yeah they, they work the um the counselors work them in teachers work them in so forth
0: that's fantastic yeah. I love that.
1: Yeah. Very innovative, very innovative. And, uh, and as far as I know, one of a kind, yeah. uh, at least at this scale.
0: Yeah. Whenever I hear these programs of chambers, getting involved with education and showing these job opportunities, I'm always a little jealous that I didn't have that when I was growing up to be able to you know see what the world has to offer. Right?
1: <laughs> no question. You know, when I, when I was growing up, I grew up in the Detroit area and, um, Um, you know, I didn't know what was out there at all, really. And my wife says, she said, I think you could have been a great architect, because, you know, you've got a good sense of space. uh, You are you are good with pen and paper, you can draw, you know, I'm not a trained artist in any way, but it comes easily to me to draw and sketch things out. And she said, you would have been a great architect. When I was growing up, I had never met an architect. I didn't know there was a job such as architect, right? Yeah. Or when I went to Washington and I started working, you know, in the White House and on Capitol Hill, and, and I would see people who were in the Foreign Service, you know, who were diplomats or working in an embassy, I never knew that those jobs existed in high school, but I might have loved to have done that. So right. I think the more we can expose kids to various things that maybe fit their capabilities and their interests, uh, the better off we're all going to be, right?
0: Absolutely. And it sounds like both of these programs make a huge impact in the Dallas region. Um, I'd like to ask, as a Chamber of the Year finalist, and, and you kind of alluded to this earlier with your your metaphor of being the point guard, you know, getting those assists, but how do you see your role with the Dallas Regional Chamber within your community?
1: Yeah, I think Dallas Regional Chamber is viewed in our community as a go to organization. Uh, When when things need to get done, people tend to go to us uh, because they know that we have relationships all throughout this region with other chambers, with economic development organizations, with political leaders, with business leaders, and we are a great convener to bring a lot of people together. And other folks in many ways don't have that scale or that, um, that perspective to bring all those folks, or those relationships to bring all those folks together. So I think that's, that's one way that we are seeing. Uh, I think the other way we're seeing is uh, an organization that steps up. When something needs to get done, we'll take it on, just like the vaccine program. Yeah. Nobody asked us to do it. Nobody expected us to do it. If we didn't do it, nobody would say, why are you not doing that? But we just knew it was the right thing to do. So we did it. And um, so, you know, it's it's a great, we feel like we're in a great position. And I'll say this, it's, it's building your reputation and your brand every single day in order to be in that position. In other words, you have to be trusted. So you have to, you have to do good work. You have to, work with people, you have to, um, they have to know your hearts in the right place, right, so that uh, you are trusted and, and can have that kind of, um, oh, I don't know, uh, um, brand in order for people to, to want to go to you or to say, they're the they're the natural organization to go to on this.
0: Yeah. And I think that's so important, just the, the showing up every day and, and being of impact in the community. So when a real crunch time comes, a real crisis, people know who to turn to for answers.
1: I'll say this too, Brandon. I, you know, my, I, We have a staff of 55 and everyone here is taught and believes that we are here to be of service. We are a service organization. We are here to help people. And so whatever needs to be done to help them, that's what we're here to do. Okay. And, uh, and that's a, and, and, you know, that's the way you've got to look at it to be sort of public servants. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So I look at all the chamber of the year finalists as kind of being organizations that are, you know, doing great things right now, um, making a huge impact and, I like to see if you might have any tips or, or advice, action item for listeners that might want to take their chamber up to the next level. What would you
1: suggest? Yeah, I would say you know it's so hard to give advice to others because so many people are doing so many good things, right? Um, I would say to be very um, to be very good with your finances, you know. So. You you've got members. You want to serve those members in the best possible way, but make sure that you are paying attention to the bottom line, so that you can put money in the bank every year, so that when times get tough or a crisis happens, you have something to draw on. So, for example, during the um, during the early days of COVID, I was scared to death. I mm-hmm. thought we were you know we were going to face $2 million losses in our budget, and we're going to have to lay people off and, you know, all these kinds of things. And in the end, and I went to the board and proposed that, okay, we'll take salary cuts for, you know, as long as it takes. Um, and we, we, you know, I took the most and it went down by, you know, grade and so mm-hmm. forth. Uh, but in the end, um, we didn't, have to do that because we were able to manage our way through it okay but the fact is that we had money in the bank so we had a cushion to get through this and that's from years and years and years of paying attention to the finances and being good with your finances so i think that is a, a, an important piece of this because you know having money in the bank gives you a lot of flexibility and gives you a cushion when you need it or gives you the money to do things like a vaccine campaign when, when the time comes. So yeah. that's, that's number one. I would say number two is just um, really uh, try to get to know as many people as you can in your community and build trusted relationships with them, provide programs that will want them to join your membership so that you've got a great base of support among your membership, that allows you to do a lot of things. If you have relationships with a, a wide array of companies across the spectrum, you know, and try to think about what you offer that maybe they need, right? Uh, the various people in various sectors of the economy need so that you can build this broad base of support among a lot of folks. You know, and then I would say, Third, from a staffing standpoint, is just hire the best possible staff you can, treat them really well, you know, make it fun to work here, remind them every day this is a privilege. It's a privilege to work for a public service or a uh, uh, focused organization and that they're doing really important work. I, I often uh, will relay to them my favorite quote, it's by Teddy Roosevelt, who said, the greatest prize life has to offer is the chance to work hard at work worth doing. And I remind them often that we work hard at work worth doing, and that not everybody out there comes to work every day able to work hard at work worth doing. They are working often at things that need to be done, but we actually get to work hard uh, to make this a better community, and to, um, to really move the needle during our time here.
0: I love that. And I think all three of those tips that you suggested, they, really, they position an organization well to be able to serve their community in the best ways. You know, when you've got those connections in the community, you've got the great staff, you've kept track of your finances and prepared for the rainy day, it, it makes you available to make clear decisions that are not fogged up with some of those other things that could get in the way and distract you.
1: Yeah. Well said, Brandon.
0: I love that. So I like asking everyone that I have on the podcast about the future of chambers. So how do you see the future of chambers and their purpose going forward?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, again, some people have a notion of a chamber as sort of a dusty old place. That's for the past. We feel just the opposite of that. you know. We believe that uh, chambers really are the central point, should be the central point in a community that people go to and uh, for, for resources or to, to, for help to get things done. And um, so that's the, sort of the incoming. The other piece of that is for chambers to be always having their ear to the ground with their community and saying what needs to be done, how can we best help? So there's a little bit of defense, like we're here to help, and there's a little bit of offense, which is here's what needs to be done, let's go out and do it. And I think if you keep in mind those two things, you're gonna be a very relevant and very important organization in your community.
0: I love it, great advice so i'd like to give you an opportunity for anybody listening who maybe got intrigued about any of these programs or the way the dallas regional chamber is doing things what might be the best way to to reach out and connect or to learn more what would you suggest that what's the best way to reach out and connect with you
1: yeah i think probably the easiest thing just send me an email at, at d petrosky that's d p e t r o s k e y at dallaschamber.org and i will you know i'll be i'll initially answer it but i'll get it to the right person in my organization who can help them the most
0: that's perfect and we'll we'll get your email in the show notes for this episode as well so people can look that up and and connect with you and and learn more if there's something they they need to dive in deeper with but dale i, I really appreciate you spending time with us today here on chamber chat podcast and um, again Personally, thank you for what you guys are doing to the Dallas region. Um, I wish you guys best of luck to to you and your team as Chamber of the Year, and uh, look forward to to seeing you in
1: Indy. Well, it's been great fun. Thank you, Brandon, and uh, appreciate your what you do, and uh, love the questions you asked.
0: If you are a chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a chamber podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot to learn more and to enroll in the Chamber Podcast course today.